himself, an encounter that is only recorded for us in one place in all the Gospels. And that's in Luke chapter 24. So please turn there in your Bibles. This event in our history takes place between two men, uh, one of which we know uh, his name, Cleopas. Uh, The other we don't, but being from Kentucky, we don't mind calling the second Bubba. (laughs) Two men here who followed Jesus, two men who witnessed the resurrection, uh, I'm sorry, the crucifixion, and two men who were present when news came to the upper room that the tomb was empty. In fact, according to their account here, we even know that they waited as Peter and John went to see for themselves the news that the women had shared. And they waited till Peter and John even returned back to say that they just don't know what happened. These are two men that were there during the events of Passover week, two men who were there through the events of the weekend, the troubling weekend, the dark weekend, and now these are two men who have now left Jerusalem and are going home. They're traveling home. They're taking the long walk home to Emmaus. These men... Like so many that weekend, I'm sure, were disappointed, disillusioned, defeated, and I'm certain were beginning to doubt everything they had given their life, their life to. And for these two men, we don't know how long, because Cleopas, I don't believe, is mentioned earlier in the Gospels, for us to be able to give an account as to how long he had been following behind and listening to the teachings of Jesus. Scripture doesn't tell us. But now, these two men find themselves on a long walk home. Seven miles. Seven miles is is what it is believed to have been. Seven miles. How long would that take? A couple of hours? Three or four? A couple of stops maybe? I don't know. I'm good to walk from here to my car. Some of you know how to walk a little bit further than that, I'm sure. I can imagine the conversation these two had. The visuals, the images of the week, the highs and lows when it pertains to the emotions, from waving palm branches to hearing the crowd cry out insults, from watching the cross being lifted up, to the darkness filling the sky earlier than usual on any given day. From hearing Jesus' final words to watching Joseph and Nicodemus take his body. I'm sure they talked about the solemnity of the Sabbath day and then the disappointment of hearing the tomb had been broken into and Jesus' body stolen. I'm sure that as they were walking on this road that those events and those images and those emotions were just coming out as they were talking about, do you remember this? Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw that and I, I couldn't believe it. I, 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 can just, I can just sense what that conversation was like. 
I know because I've entrapped my wife in the car on some trips where I began to get on a little kick about something and I just began just spewing off at the mouth, you know, until we got to that place and she took her earphones out and then we could, we could go there. I mean, how many of us have been on those type of trips? Those type of trips, though, you know, however long, and something that happened at work or something that a relative or a friend may have done that just, you know, irked you the wrong way and you just, you were just going to let somebody have it and it just happened to be the person sitting next to you in that car ride. I can just, I can just sense that, that these two men were just like me on that road. And you know, whenever you get to, to talking about something passionately, you know, you, you, you start, you know, you're, you're walking and, and, you know, you're stomping a little bit while you're going. And then you, and then you stop and say, and another thing. And then you just keep going again and you get off on that for a while. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that they're, that they were a lot like me. I like to think that at least. And then these two men cross paths with a stranger. A stranger who heard them passionately recounting the events of the last several days. And as they got closer and closer to where he was probably just standing there, just, just waiting for them to show up because he knew they were coming. He just waited till they showed up and, you know, kind of nonchalantly, you know. What's going on? What y'all talking about? What are we talking about? Are you not the only one who's been to Jerusalem to not know what's been taking place this week? Yeah, that's how I would have responded. What do you mean? What am I talking about? You haven't heard? You don't know? What things? What event? Jesus is good. Jesus is good. And then the two begin in this passage, as it tells us, they begin to recount the events of the week to this to the stranger, who then joins them on their walk. These men were so wrapped up in the events of the weekend, the defeating events of the past few days, that they weren't able to recognize in the least little bit who it was that they were walking with. They had a heartbreaking experience here. Now, of course, verse 16 tells us that they were kept from recognizing him. But I wonder if it was because Jesus wanted to be included in this particular conversation. He, 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 he wanted to have this conversation with these two men. He wanted, to, he wanted to hear their view on things. Tell me what you saw. Tell, tell, me, tell me how you took it. He wanted to get their perspective before he opened their eyes to the realization of who he was. 
And I think a lot of our experiences with Jesus work out this exact same way. We have a particular event taking place in our lives. We wrestle with the effects of it. We go back and forth trying to make sense of it until we decide to do what? Pray about it. You know, we always say that prayer needs to be the first thing we do, right? But how often is it? We sort of kind of like sift through it and wade through it. Like, you know, help me understand it. I'm trying to understand this. And I'm falling short. My perspective isn't working out. And then we go to prayer. Or then we go to scripture. Or how about this? We go to a Christian brother or sister for counsel. And we say, I just got to tell you what's going on in my life. See, I think that there's a little bit going on here in this passage that, that, that we would do well to realize in our lives. And it's, it's definitely a need. A fellowship type of need. You see, we, we have these things that go on in our lives and we wrestle with them and we, and we, we kind of keep it to ourselves first. How, how often do we, do we truly have that clear picture on the onset? It usually takes a while, right? It usually takes a while. It usually takes some prayers. It usually takes some counseling. It usually takes some, an opportunity for us to, how about tap out? And trade places in the ring and let somebody else wrestle with it for a while. Jesus invited them into this conversation, or he invited himself into this conversation, if you think about it. He was just standing there waiting. He knew what they were talking about, he knew what they were being passionate about. He was like, okay, let me have your perspective. What happened? I like what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, or how about this, my understanding, your understanding, that that peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. And it won't just guard our hearts and minds, but it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. These two had a heart-wrenching experience, and they needed someone to talk it through. They needed someone to talk it through with, and Jesus gave them that opportunity. Let it out. Tell me about it. And, and, and here's why I believe their eyes were kept closed. Because usually when things are unclear for us, that's when we're really open and honest with ourselves. If Jesus had immediately revealed himself to who he was, they would not have worked through what we're going to see. They worked through in conversation on this walk. So they, they, they were prevented from seeing Jesus as who he was so that they could openly and honestly 
say to Jesus what they were thinking, even when what they were thinking, well, wasn't really right. Sometimes when we're wrestling with a circumstance, with an event, with a person, with an issue, we usually focus on the emotions and what this is doing at me. And there comes a time when we are going to openly and honestly cry out to God and say, God, don't you know what I'm going through? God, where are you? God, don't you care? And I believe it's in that moment of honesty, that's when things start getting clear. Usually whenever things are going hunky-dory, great, peachy keen, whatever your flavor. That's usually the times when we leave God out. When God becomes second or third or bottom of our list of things to do today. Why is that? I, yeah, that was a rhetorical question. Let me move on. I believe that when prayers are honest, that's when our minds are cleared to receive a godly answer. So they had a heartbreaking experience. Secondly, they had a heart-searching experience. So as they were on this Emmaus walk together, they shared with Jesus the events of this weekend, giving them a perspective that wasn't quite on point. He was supposed to be the one that redeemed Israel, that restored us to the place of prominence once again. That's, that's, that's how they approached it. That's how they saw Jesus, that he was going to be the one to come in as a king that was going to restore the glory that once was Jerusalem. What they really revealed was that they still didn't understand who Jesus was. He was supposed to do this, but this didn't happen. He was supposed to do that, but that didn't happen either. And in a lot of ways, the, the way that we learn truly who Jesus is in our lives is in those moments of disappointment and discouragement. Because let me tell you, a lot of our theology and our doctrine is no different from something that you get on a popsicle stick. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever you get one of those popsicles and you eat it, and, and whenever it's all gone, then you have the joke or some wise saying or something like that. Or let me put it another way. Who likes Chinese food, right? Some of our theology is no different than what you get in that nasty cookie that nobody truly eats. You, you, this is what happens. Tangent. This is what happens. You get that cookie and you break it and you taste a little bit of it to see if your taste has changed. And then you look for the lottery numbers, and then you throw the rest of it away, right? Okay. And in a lot of ways, our understanding and knowledge and our relationship with God deepens, not during the high points in life. It's, it's, it's in the wrestling matches. I think that there's a Bible story about that, but I'm not going to talk about it today. 
So he proceeded to, to tell them where their doctrine and their theology was wrong. And, and he had a little Kurt moment there with them too. I don't know who Kurt is. I don't know why we keep saying it's a Kurt comment. Another tangent. Let me get back over here. So anyway, so he's, he goes all the way back to the time of Moses. That's what scripture tells us here. All the way back to the time of Moses. Forward, showing how the Christ was revealed in scripture. Why all the way back to Moses? Because they had just had Passover week. They had all, everybody had just traveled to Jerusalem because that was the requirement in order to celebrate Passover. They were there for Passover. And Passover represented how the lamb's blood was sprinkled and put over the right doorpost of the house back in Egypt when they were slaves in order to save all the firstborn male that night, men, that babies that night, right? He went all the way back there because that was, that was what Jesus was showing. That's who I am on the cross. Now there's no more need for lambs because the perfect lamb has been sacrificed for the forgiveness of sin. Why go all the way back to Moses? Why go all the way back to the Passover? Because of what they had just experienced. And then he goes forward. And I can just imagine the list that he, that he goes through as they're going on this walk through Emmaus. Remember I said earlier, you know, how we're, sometimes we're on the, in that car ride and, and one person's just spewing at the mouth while the other person has to just take it all in? How quickly do, do those trips last? Have you ever thought about that? When you're in a car ride by yourself and you know you have to go, say, from here to Augusta, that, that two hours is like forever. But get somebody in the car with you and get going on a topic and it's like 30 minutes. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I, I wonder, just, you know, the seven-mile walk, I wonder how long it really lasted in their minds as they, were, as they were going along and as Jesus was going after this and that and the other in Scripture. Let me tell remember this? Do you remember this? This is what Jesus did. Do you remember this? This is what was, has been fulfilled. Do you remember this? Can you imagine the list? And we know that it, was, it, it, that it was a pretty good talk because the very next part of the passage tells us, and they were home. And they were there, and they were like, well, stranger, it's getting dark. You know, you should come in and have dinner with us, stay with us the night. I mean, that conversation, boy, that, that walk. Remember I said earlier how they were probably just walking, and they were just talking, and they were just like so upset and just trying to work. I wonder what it was like when they had Jesus with them. Because I can tell you what the walk's like with me when I'm talking to Jesus, and I'm taking time to listen and repent. In response, it's not that rough. It's not that harsh. And time passes. When our relationship with God is open and honest, he's able, he's able to bring clarity where there was confusion. They got a full Bible study lesson from its author that day. How awesome is that? And then you have verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. I like that. Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. He knew they were going to ask. He's Jesus, right? When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. 
They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So now they had a good case of heartburn. How beautiful is that? Now, but, but think about this. What clicked for them? What was it that clicked? Have you ever given that any thought? What clicked? What actually opened their eyes? Was it when he broke the bread? Was it when he gave thanks? Was it when he passed it to the two of them? You see, I don't know if, if, if you're like me sometimes and you remember a scripture story, a scripture passage, an event in, in, in the Bible, and, and then somebody preaches something to you about it or you hear it in a Sunday school class or small group, and then you go, wait a minute, I don't remember it like that. I, I bet for the most part that most of us in here thought that their eyes were opened after Jesus left. Because for me, sometimes it doesn't it usually take a miracle. God, show up. I'm waiting for you to show up. God, when are you going to show up? God, do something. Oh, you did it? Okay, good. Now I have faith in you. It's usually after the miracle, after the prayer's been answered... It wasn't after he left. It was after he served them. See, first, they needed somebody to talk to. Well, Jesus gave them the time, gave them the listening ear to talk to. Then they needed somebody to give them and show them clarity. So Jesus walked with them. He let them, to, let them have their say, say what they were wrestling with. And then he took time to reveal to them, well, let me just show you where you got it wrong. It wasn't until Jesus served them that their eyes were opened. This stranger no longer being a stranger. So the question still, what made the difference? And perhaps it's the same thing that makes a difference today. We can tell people they need the gospel. They need to accept the gospel. We can tell people they need to accept Jesus, which is the truth. We can talk to people and go through Bible studies and have our small groups and sit around our tables and in our circles and we can read through the periodicals and the Bible study guides but it isn't until we serve one another that we really see Jesus. It isn't until the church gets out of its four walls and into its community that the community begins to really see Jesus. It isn't until we stop saying, I'll pray for you, and we stop and pray over that person. It isn't until we get down on our hands and knees or we sacrifice some time or we sacrifice some personal resources or we sacrifice a Saturday morning to help a brother or we sacrifice some time in the middle of the week to help a friend at, in their home with something that they're struggling with. It isn't until we serve that people actually begin to see 
Jesus. I can talk to somebody till they're blue in the face, and I see a couple of you are already. I can talk to someone who's blue in their face, but you know what? It's one thing for me to stand up here and bloviate, and another thing for me to be there with you in your time of need. And for my heart to break as your heart breaks. Or for me to give to be able to help you and to help encourage you and to help sustain you. You know what these two men, when these two men saw Jesus? Jesus didn't do anything miraculous here. He gave thanks to God. He broke bread and then handed it to them. And then their eyes were open. You know, the simplest act of love can change a person's heart, can open a person's eyes. And we would, we would do well to realize that, amen? It isn't until we stop talking about love and we start putting the love into service and action will it actually have its power, its complete power and impact. They didn't realize it was Jesus as he was talking to them on the road and revealing the scriptures to them. So that puts me out of a job. Their eyes were opened when they were served. Think about it this way. He was the guest. They were supposed to serve him. But he took the role of a servant. Wait a minute, I think that's in scripture somewhere. And just a couple of nights before, as the apostles showed up, the disciples showed up in the upper room, he took off his robe and put a towel around his waist and got down on his hands and knees and he washed dirty feet. And what did he say to them? Now I've given you an example. Go and do this for others. Their response. Let's take a look at that. Verse 33. And this is the response that we love to see, isn't it? They got up and they ran back the seven miles to Jerusalem. So that they could tell everybody who they'd just been with. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on that day and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Not when he disappeared, but when he broke the bread. There, that's the key. And here's what I love, verse 36. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus showed up. As they gave testimony to what they had seen, Jesus showed up and affirmed their testimony. What an experience. What a moment. Jesus showed up. And that discouragement, that disillusionment, that frustration, that defeat... All of it dissipated. 
I just realized I just did a bunch of D's. Hmm, you would think I'm a preacher or something. So anyway, so now here's what I want to do. I want to take some time and let's, let's apply this a little bit deeper. I want to talk about what discouragement and disappointment can cause in the life of a believer. The first is this. It can cause us to walk away from the fellowship of believers. Discouragement and disappointment can cause us to walk away from the fellowship. You see, these men, they were with other disciples all weekend long, all the way up to the point to where Peter and John returned and said, we don't have an answer. The body's gone. And what did they do? They left their fellowship with broken hearts, with defeated spirits, in disillusionment. They left their fellowship. And for some reason, that, that's what we do. Something breaks our heart. Something that we're wrestling with in life. Something that's going on. And our first response, inclination, is to stay away from church. To not take it to our faith family, to our small group, to our prayer partner. To not go and say, I need you to stay with me for a while. No, it is to walk away. Why is that part of our nature? Why do we hit the pause button on our faith? Why step away when we should actually be clinging to? Discouragement and disappointment in life can cause us to walk away from the fellowship and can cause us to see the events of life through cloudy lenses. See, they misunderstood who Jesus was, what he had come to do. They were confused, and they had allowed the events of the weekend, the tragic events of the weekend, to even lead them further away from understanding. They, they drove that confusion deeper into them. They were as blind as the Pharisees had been the entire time. When we take ourselves out of fellowship and we're not gathered with brothers and sisters in Christ, it makes it that much more difficult for us to see Jesus working in our lives. And it also unprepares us for those times when we need to be ready. When we're not receiving encouragement, when we give up the practice of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing in Hebrews... We are to be encouraging each other as, as long as it is called the day. Why? Because Jesus knew what these two men were wrestling with. And what they were going to miss out on because they had stepped away from the fellowship. And so he went to where he would cross paths with them. Otherwise, they would have been home in Emmaus as he showed up in the upper room, they would have missed out. That's what being in a small group and with a prayer partner, connected with a prayer partner, protects us from. Missing out on Jesus in our lives. And I believe having and emphasizing life groups, prayer circles, discipleship groups, I believe that that is a vital part to our growth as believers and followers of Christ here at first. And I hope that as we are going through these vision talks, 
this year that one of the things that, that we would see as being foundational to us is that each one of us is connected to another. Because it's vital. It's vitally important. Because where two or three are gathered, amen? Where two or three are gathered. So this encouragement and disappointment can cause us to walk away from the fellowship of other believers, can cause us to see the events of life through cloudy lenses, and can cause us to miss out on his very presence. Because as I said, that's what these two men were about to do. They were about to miss out on the very presence of Christ. In fact, their disappointment, their confusion, everything, all of it hindered and needed to be cleared up, needed to be stowed away before Jesus opened their eyes to who he is, that he was present, that he was there. And so he dealt with their confusion first. He gave them a foundation in which they could attach themselves to first before he opened their eyes. In a lot of ways, we are waiting for Jesus to show up and to to show himself first without any sort of foundation in our lives. We're waiting for him to show up before we know him. What did Jesus do? Let me explain it to you. Let me serve you. And now see me. We tend to do things backwards, don't we? And we tend to demean the very things that Christ even told us we were to do first. Gather. Be in prayer. What did he tell the apostles? Go to the upper, go back to Jerusalem, go to the upper room and pray, and the Spirit will fall on you. He didn't say, Here, let me give you my spirit. I'm leaving you. Now, no. Priorities. Here is Jesus in front of them. Now they see it. Discouragement and disappointment. It has a way of clouding our eyes, clouding our view, and keeping us from seeing Jesus. But yet, this is what Scripture says. And if you have your version app, you have these listed for you. Joshua 1.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he told Joshua before he entered into battle. Psalm 55.22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. This is our foundation. We settle these things in our heart before we wrestle so that when Jesus shows up, when God is present, we see it. We realize it. We know it. I could go on and on, and you probably think I have. 
But when we let discouragement and disillusionment and defeat drive us from fellowship, keep us from small group, keep us from discipleship, keep us from prayer circles, when we allow discouragement to keep us out of fellowship, we will never see things for what they are. And it makes it that much more difficult to see God hand on us through whatever it is we're struggling with. That's what discouragement and disappointment can do. But Jesus had an eye-opening experience here for these fellas. And this is my last, last point, I promise you. Their heart-changing experience. And they couldn't help but tell somebody about it. They couldn't help but run. And that what? Two, three, four, five-hour walk, six-hour walk. It didn't take them so long to get back. There was a spring in their step. They gave, Jesus gave them a message to proclaim. He set their hearts on fire. Were not our hearts burning within us as he spoke? He solidified their faith. And they had reason to run and to tell who? The fellowship they had walked away from. They had to tell their friends, we've just seen Jesus. Whatever is troubling you, whatever disappointment you are struggling with, You don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to wrestle with it. You have a tag team partner. And you can slap his hand and he will jump in and take your place and give you rest. Peace be with you. I've got it. Don't do it alone. And I think that after this past year of what we have seen people struggling with and with some of the statistics that we're seeing psychologically on people and what it has driven them to and to do, I think it has truly revealed the ministry that the church must adapt to going forward. And that is, there's no room for facade. We might have to wear a mask from time to time, but not in church. Not when you're with your prayer partner. We need to be real and honest. Because what happens is when we keep it all inside, our flesh and our mind will go to places just like these two men and we will start mischaracterizing and misunderstanding things and it, it's not reality it's no longer reality and I think the ministry of the church needs to step up and recognize that there is a pain in 2021 today that is unlike anything that we've 
experienced. And the way to solve it, I can say, take it to Jesus. And that's a start. That's, that's a great start, but let me tell you, until we in a, as a church realize that taking it to Jesus means taking it to each other. When we become the tangible expression, the hands, the feet, the counsel, the love, the kindness, the service, that's when people really begin to see Jesus. So how do we wrap this up today? Where we have a commitment to each other. Where we have a commitment here at first to where we're going to put first each other. Where we're going to put Jesus first. Where we're going to put prayer first. Where we're going to put serving one another first. Do you get where I'm going here? One last thought. Jesus didn't have to show up to these two men. He didn't have to show up to them at all. He could have just showed up and let the apostles just take it and run with it. But he showed up to these two men first. Why? He showed up to these two men who were disillusioned and defeated first. If you are here this morning and you've been struggling, let me tell you, the Lord is here for you first. This church is here for you first. Do not leave, do not go home, do not wrestle, do not fight with those emotions. Let us serve you. Let us love you. Let us be Jesus' hands and feet in your life. Don't leave here and go home and fight with those emotions. Let us support you. Pray with me. Father God, today I see, I see something from these two men that I have seen in myself in so many ways. I see moments when my heart has become so cold and so, so hard that I can't see you. I can't see you in the details. I can't see you in the midst of the trouble, the adversity, the pain that, I, that I'm finding myself in. And I just want to scream and shout. I just want to run away. I just want to hide 
But somewhere along that run, you're standing right there to say, tell me about it. What's going on? Give me your perspective. Tell me the events of the week. And Lord, however right or wrong that we may be in that moment, however way we characterize it or generalize it might be right or wrong, but Lord, you're there to hear it. You're there to take it in. And then you're there to set things straight. Thank you, God. And Lord, you have given us such an example to follow. And I pray that as a church that we realize that this has to be a place of honesty. A place where the broken gather and can share their pain. A place where the defeated can come together and say, this is how how I'm broken. And a place where we serve. Not just, not just serve in a, in, a, in a children's ministry or in a preschool, but we, we get down on our hands and knees in prayer and in comfort and the counsel and to encourage and to be there and to be right by that person in their need and to be right by each other because we have to encourage each other as long as it is called the day because I'm seeing people defeated and walk away. I'm seeing people broken and the brokenness is winning out in their lives. And Lord, I know that you, in you, because of you, there is victory. So Lord, today I pray that you reveal yourself. Maybe in that still, small voice. Maybe through one of us as we counsel and as we cry and as we support and as we give a little time, as we give a little help, as we give a little service, as we share in each other's brokenness. Because I know that in that moment, we find you. Thank you. In your name. Amen. Friend, if, if you've been our guest and you're without a church home, a faith family, I hope that you would consider us I've shared with you a little bit about my heart this morning. And especially where I would love to lead this church to become. I would love for you to connect with us.